Hello, everybody. Yellow. Uh, it is me. I won't wear a suit and I won't cut my hair, Steven. And I'm joined by my co-host. He's poor as shit and a bitch in Florida wants his money, Daniel. Indeed. <laughs> and welcome to Rodin. Oh, there was a little thing at the end there. Ooh, fancy. Yeah, the last... Uh, E is uh, has a has a thing on top of it. <laughs> um, so Daniel, what's been going on with you, man? Uh, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. So, what's happened this week? Uh, a few things. Like we've been uh, mm. on the school side, we've been trying to get our project sort of back in back in line. Um, okay. Which is going fine. Like we have a we have a now a pretty good idea what we're gonna do instead of the original thing we were gonna do. <laughs> because we can't do the original thing. Okay. Uh, in that regard, I've been looking a lot of like uh, online like interviews and sort of how people have tried to still do their job while this is going on by using you know live streaming and such. Uh, which is now part of our project. Uh, hmm. And that's been quite fun. There's some really bad ones. Um, <laughs> oh, there. Uh, I found one which was a music. Uh, it was some kind of uh, music place in Copenhagen that uh, did a, a live stream. And it was literally like eight people in like, I think they were on Zoom or something like that. So it was like eight, eight windows. Oh, that's no. Okay. Uh, of like webcams. One of the webcams weren't even on. And when oh one was talking, the others were just staring blankly into the abyss. It was hilarious. Oh, my God. It was terrible. Well, like, Zoom is probably the worst one you can use because <laughs> apparently they had a pri privacy concerns. Yeah. Like, they leaked out information all over the place. They have a lot of security <laughs> issues. Um, oh and a lot of people have been, like, jumping into people's Zoom chats and throwing <laughs> out things like porn and jumping into like AA meetings and sending alcohol and things like that. It's like, Oh, I, I think <laughs> I, that's not funny, but uh, I, I, I think I read that a, a school, I think it's in the U S was mm. doing remote classes, right? Yeah. And they were using zoom and the guy jumped in and started flashing his dick. <laughs> okay. I didn't, I didn't hear that one in particular, but I heard something similar with like schools and uh, remote classes. And then the school was like, no more remote classes. <laughs> Do you just use Microsoft Teams? It works. Well, one, some people have Macs, and that's not kind of that's not fair. So. I actually think Microsoft Teams works on Mac. It works on Linux. That's ironic. You can use Discord. This, doesn't Discord have video? I want. I want. I to don't know, honestly. Uh, and and two, do you? Oh, actually it actually video. does. It actually does. Yeah, it does. Yeah, a lot of a lot of these have even uh, WhatsApp has video. Sure. I when two do you need video? Well, for, for I, I'm thinking for something like classes or even. I mean, you need a, at least to be able to share collaborations. A because if you're, well, if you you're... can share a screen from something like a what is that called Team View or it, yeah, yeah, but. Still, it's also about you know having 
programs that the teachers actually know how to use and want to use like you know but if you can be able to share a screen then you you can showcase a a like powerpoint or something the teacher can then oh go yeah because looking at a looking at a powerpoint for somebody's webcam <laughs> yeah but then you have to go down and print your powerpoint and then stand with it and like you know theater card it that just becomes mm. awkward i guess uh. but yeah it's actually funny to look at how people are trying to adapt to being only online like there are now live formula one which is they because they can't have the actual formula one races they do they're doing them digital so they basically have <laughs> some of the uh, the actual formula one contenders i actually think there's one today where they have four of the actual you know formula one drivers playing against you know some of the ones that that are in the like online scene and then they're gonna live That's stream it and it's fucking weird that's pretty interesting. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of funny. Well, uh, I've seen uh, demos of simulators that look pretty one-to-one. -one. Like they have everything that a normal car cop cockpit has. So. Yeah, yeah, like a like a Formula One uh, driver does drive a lot of simulations, which is you know, but what they're using here is just the the official Formula One video game. Um, <laughs> that's that's hilarious. Because I think the. Uh, these simulations. I don't actually know if the simulations are different from team to team. Like Mercedes yeah, has but, their own um, and things. But like do that. they use uh, like don't they use uh, analog controllers like uh, yeah, steering, steering wheels? Steering wheels and, yeah. and uh, yeah. Okay, because then you know, if they if they're playing against the kids that are using controllers or no 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 the ones they're playing against are also like in like the esports scene of Formula One, which apparently exists. So they are also using, you know, steering wheels and things like that. Fair enough. That's good. Okay, that sounds interesting. Yeah. Like I know that uh, I read that uh, ESPN is, uh, or wait, what was it? I think it was it, or NBC or something. The ones that broadcast football in America, they're not uh, in basketball because there's no more season anymore. They're they're broadcasting esports, <laughs> like uh, esports of the sports that uh, they would normally broadcast. So they're they're playing the 2K games yeah. and then they're broadcasting those. Losing all their money to the uh, to the gacha. <laughs> it's a catch twenty two. Indeed. So outside of that, I've been slowly going mad in my apartment, basically. <laughs> Oh my god! No, seriously, I had like a mild panic attack at the store yesterday. That was hilarious. Okay. <laughs> there suddenly there was two hundred people in in the store, and I was suddenly surrounded on all sides by like old people, and I was like, I gotta get out of here. It was that was really bad. <laughs> okay. But um, other than that, I've watched some stuff, I guess. Ah. Oh, the wine is. Uh... Oh wait! G fuck that! Forget that! I need to check on your Orson Welles impression. Oh shit! Fuck! Well, oh shit, motherfucker! <laughs> I don't, I don't so really welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to our segment. What do we call Daniel? Daniel attempts to improve on his Orson Welles impression e each week. <laughs> I don't think this is gonna go very. <laughs> <laughs> are, you, are you a Texas oil tycoon? <laughs> Perhaps. 
I, I don't think. Oh my god. All I can think of. No, Daniel, my my like, Texas honestly, accent is way better than that. Come on. So, come on. Let's let's hear Orson Welles. That was my Orson Welles. <laughs> oh, for fuck's sake, Daniel. <laughs> well, like, wait. Let me let me think of an Orson Welles phrase. Okay. Um, um, this wine is a 17th century delight. Okay. Um, this wine is a 7th century delight. Oh my god. Yeah, it's terrible. That you can see I haven't rehearsed or anything. I Honestly, this whole, everything in this podcast up until now, I don't care about. I just want to get to Armand Asante as soon as possible. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Yeah. That's also what I I'm have. A, that's also about what I'm four doing. pages of notes, and they're all about Amanda Sante. <laughs> I I also have a few notes about Amanda Sante in this movie. We'll get to him. Uh, I feel like if this podcast ever gets popular, we need to make an Amanda Sante shirt. <laughs> I'm down. Armand the Law Asante. I am the Law. <laughs> law. Basically, uh, uh, Amanda you national treasure. I, I, because of I looked up about the movie that we're doing today, California Dreaming. I learned so much about Armando Sante. Okay, <laughs> I, okay, I, I learned a lot about Las Montreal for the boss of it all. Honestly, I just want to get on a small, 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 small uh, soapbox about this, like, so. Apparently, because I'm into remastering and upscaling and this stuff, like that's what I do, right? Mm-hmm. Um, all, so um, the new sort of native format that a lot of people, well, a lot, some people have switched to from normal Blu-rays is uh, Ultra HD, HDR available 4K Blu-rays. Yeah. It's basically a different, more higher quality Blu-ray. Right. Yeah, it's it's like different. It's like higher bit rate and you know, exactly bigger files and, it, it, and you know, yeah, yeah. C- capable of HDR, which is high dynamic range. Yeah. So the colors are more uh, akin to what a p- projection would look like, mm. essentially. Yeah. And then you need a 4K monitor for it, of course. You know. With high dynamic uh, range, obviously. Yeah, of course. Um, and uh, the thing is. Uh, a lot of old movies that come on this format are actually 4K because they're scanned from a film reel, mm. right? So they're scanned on a 4K resolution, like you have 2001 and all that stuff. Mm. And uh, a lot of them are sort of supervised by people who either care a lot about that particular movie or by people who are involved with that movie. Yeah. But <laughs> like the newer release, the ones that you think, oh, these ones are 4K out of the bat, like all the Marvel movies are not actually 4K. That's like, uh, but so. they're advertised as work as 4K. Like you, you can buy the Avengers: Infinity War or Endgame as a 4K Blu-ray, or even on Netflix or whatever. Well, it's not on Netflix, but whatever. Yeah. You can. It says that it's playing in 4K, but it's not actually 4K. It's an upscale of a 2K picture. Ah, yeah. Video, video games does similar things right now because the uh, the newer consoles, you know the. PS4 Pro and the Xbox One X, I think it's called. The 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 most powerful version of it has the ability to play in 4K, but what they actually do is they render in 2K and then they upscale. Yeah, it's a uh, like I guess I understand it more in video games because it's a trick to save processing power. Sure, that's, but you know, still. But you know, you would when you advertise a format 
mm. you know, for playing in a certain quality. And then you just, because well, uh, upscaling is a tricky thing. It's not all the way there in terms of what, what it can do. Mm. Like uh, you can upscale up to four times and have a pretty good picture quality, uh. right? So from 2K to 4K, it, it could be almost unnoticeable, Yeah. right? But the, the thing is, when you also project it on a, on a native 4K TV, uh. appar- apparently from what I've seen, you can actually notice a lot of the sort of uh, uh, artifacts that pop up because uh, when you upscale, the problem is you're using an AI to sort of to uh, sort of uh, so almost you, blur out a lot of the yeah. mistakes that happen when you upscale a picture so that you, is smaller so than intended. You get a lot of digital interpolation and yeah. Exactly, exactly. Not a lot because nope. the software is, has got has gotten really good at it, yeah. but and it's it's just stupid. Like, has the fucking Avenger movie not been shot in 4K? I don't believe that. I mean, I wouldn't it would be like because like you can buy customer grade dslrs that shoot 4k yeah and i don't think avengers was shot on film and even if it was shot on no, film it wasn't like, it wasn't it was shot on the either the red cameras or the alexa yeah or the alexa cameras. but even if you shot it on film as soon as you're you know digitizing it i mean yeah it takes longer time it takes like four times the length to scan a movie into 4k than it does into 2k um yeah but it's like your final step like this yeah. is what you put out you, yeah you can't you know like it's like, it's kind of insane to me that you don't have a 4k print of some of these movies i mean they would have to like at least the original like raw files because i assume it's shot in 4k well yeah the yeah but it's pretty safe to assume that those might be lost at this point because nobody has storage capacity to have stored every piece of raw footage from every movie sure but like when you're then going into the final edit and things like that like i'd assume you're still doing it on like some of the higher quality files so that the final the final print of the movie that you then well you don't really print it out on celluloid anymore you like no put it on a server render it out yeah like and then you either hand the the projection is a hard drive or they get it from like some server thing um would be a 4k one right like well, yeah but apparently it's a 2k upscale but why it might be the same reason like uh maybe it's just a storage problem where you just don't have the space like maybe somebody made a calculation somewhere like with our current storage capacities, we can't afford to to ship out every movie in native 4K. But I don't know. Like my question is, we do have pretty good compression files. Like we have 265 compression, which is, you know, allows for a 4K video file to not be that big. Like I don't know. So I really don't know. When you do your final render, I would assume they use two six five or they use something, you know maybe Most something likely, yeah. maybe something even better. Like who knows? Two six two six six. Two six five. Um Ooh. I, I I only render in two six five. Yeah, like two six five is amazing. Yeah. 
Uh, well, Steven, it I have has a, its issues. Yeah, but, but you know, when it comes to actually getting you know 4K and 1080p out in like smaller sizes, it's pretty amazing. And yeah, but it takes longer rendering time. Sure, over, but like you're it's Disney. Exponentially larger. But you're Disney. You have all the time in the world. I'm not Disney, allegedly. Well, I was thinking more in the. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like if you have gen- giant render farms, you can afford to do whatever you want. That's what you mean. Just walk right. down to Pixar and go, yo, here, <laughs> go nuts. <laughs> what were you going to ask? Uh, I was going to ask, because you said if you upscale from 2K to 4K, the the algorithm is pretty good. What, yeah. if, what if you end up with like a, let's say, just a 1080p print? The original rendered out one is a 1080p? Uh, and you want to upscale it to 4k yeah it's one of those things where it's just something that you need to put extra time in to make it look really good and you kind of have to go through it scene by scene which is extremely time consuming especially like we're talking feature length here right yeah because uh different scenes yield different types of artifacts Uh, like um yeah like let's say it's a dimly lit scene with one source light yeah that that yields some types of problems where you have to kind of naturally darken the scene so a lot of the pixelation kind of gets uh, lost by the by you dimming the colors and then in a in brightly lit exterior scenes there are, there's a lot of uh, artifacting going on and then you have to go into other al- algorithms that like you have to apply other algorithms on top of upscaling that deal with those types of issues okay now I can't. Or you have to do it manually. Yeah. Like that's even worse. <laughs> um, I think I've I think I've mentioned this movie before, but Criterion Collection has a I think it's a Taiwanese film called A Brighter Summer's Day, which right. which they uh, remastered from what was essentially a VHS tape, because that was the only print they had of the movie, and mm-hmm. it looks like it looks like shit, because it's an old it's like an old VHS tape from like the like early nineties. Uh, but the yeah. remaster looks amazing. Well, the thing you, the thing is, uh, VHS is still tape, mm. you know, and you can still scan tape. Yeah. Because uh, you know, like a, there was a a, a piece about a, a Romanian movie that was saved on a cassette format. Ah. You know, yeah. and uh, they still were able to scan it, and then they brought it up to four K resolution. See. Now there's a part of me that really wants to find that uh, Roland Emmerich Godzilla VHS tape I have, and then try my hand at ups and like upscaling and, and actually making it look good. <laughs> there's probably Blu-rays already of that. But Fuck yeah. it. <laughs> Fuck it. Mine is better. <laughs> hey Roland Emmerich, I made an upscale of your movie. Like it's on Blu-ray for five dollars. <laughs> but I did it. <laughs> pay me what (laughs) all right uh you want to hear what i did this week sure sure whatever fuck you what um uh what have i been doing ah but i finished uh, avatar the last airbender okay it's pretty good it's pretty pretty good. good uh then i i started the legend of korra and uh I realized this was probably the fourth time that I was watching this series. 
Really? And uh, oh. yeah, I watched it a lot of times. I, I, I really just like looking at it. I think the show is gorgeous, yes. especially Legend of Korra. And uh, I, I like it's, it blows my mind every time I look at it, how good the show looks. Uh-huh. Um, and But this time, for the first time, I decided to watch it with the director commentary. Oh, yeah. Uh, not, the, not the creators of the show, the two creators commentary. Mm. They didn't direct the episodes, all all of them. Um, and uh, it's very it's very interesting because uh, Legend of Korra, sort of the first season is almost perfect because they are they only working on one season because mm. that's what they were picked up for by Nickelodeon, and then like halfway through it airing, they got renewed. And second season got a lot of bashing by the fans because it wasn't as good as the first one. Yeah, because it wasn't no. that good. I mean, it's, it's, it o- no. it's okay, but it's, you know. Well, it's sort of an issue that I have with the... Sh- with I, I, I really think that they kind of dropped the ball in a lot of ways with the Legend of Korra show. Because yeah. uh, the the original... So you have Avatar The Last Airbender, and then the sequel is Legend of Korra. But the original had a structure where... The story was one continuous ramp up, you know, like yeah. each season would build up to sort of Avatar Aang's confrontation with the Fire Lord Ozai, yeah. you know, and that was it. Like when the confrontation ended, the show ended, like that yeah. was it. That, whereas Korra has a villain of the season type thing where each season there's a new villain. Yeah. Completely unrelated to the previous villain. How you many know? seasons is Korra? Isn't that all? Four. Th- Four. Okay. I thought it was only three. Yeah, three was the original show. Yes. Uh, and I think it, it, it there's a lot of hit and miss. Uh-huh. Like, I still to this day think that they structured it wrong, but that's in hindsight, where Amon, the villain of the first season, should have yeah. been the last villain of the show. Yeah, you could... Because you could... He, he's the most personal and sort of most interesting villain. Ah, uh, you also have, um, what's his name, the Airbender one. Yeah, but he's kind of just. Mm, he could have been in like the second to last one, I guess. Yeah, like I, I can totally see. I can't remember his name, unfortunately. Uh, Me neither. Uh, I could see him be like the the third season villain or something, and then Amon comes in and becomes the fourth season villain as a like response well, he, to. Actually, like uh, ironically, he is the third season villain. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because but... the fourth season villain is uh, that metal bender. Woman. Kira? Yeah. It's it's been a while since I've seen Korra. So Yeah. But cuz yeah. I I think you could have had it where uh, the spirit guy his her uncle or whatever could have been the villain of the first season. Yes. You know. And then you have Kira with her mech thing uh-huh. <laughs> in season 2 and then season 3 and 4 you have the airbender and then a mom. Yeah. Like, look at how we can remember it. Like, obviously, Amon is the best one. Is the only one I can remember his name. Yeah, Amon and the and the Airbender one are, in my opinion, the two best. Yeah, I totally agree. And uh, I was listening to the commentary tracks, and uh, it's very funny because uh, in season one they're talking about how they had a, such a good time developing these characters, and they're talking about you know like Bay Fong, the chief. Mm-hmm. Like they were big fans of Bay Fong. She's great. They, she's great. Yeah. Uh, and then in season two, they don't talk at all about the villain. Mm. They're just, they're just talking about how they learned to make after how, how they learned to work with After Effects. <laughs> nice. 
uh, and they talk about like how some of the people criticized the the show the show like a lot of people in season one didn't like Mako, you know Korra's boyfriend. Yeah, the, the the Firebender one, not the Earthbender. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which is understandable because he sort of is kind of just a pretty boy for yeah, the he, first he's, season. He's kind of a boring. Uh... Yeah. yeah, and and uh, then in season two, apparently a lot of people didn't like Korra. And like, as in her story arc in season two, because that's the season where they kind of take a break from whatever she's doing and do the two-part episode, which is the origin of the Avatar. Yeah, thing. which honestly, I like those episodes just as a as a thing, but I don't think they work within the context of the show. Absolutely not. Yeah, yeah. like it's a fun it's a fun little side thing, but yeah, I don't know. They're kind of odd. Yeah. But everything, like the saving grace of the show, like it's a shame, but Korra is just not very interesting to me as a character uh. up until season season one, she's interesting. Season two, she's not. Season three, eh. And then season four kind of gets interesting near the end, you know? Yeah. But uh, the saving grace of the show to me is Tenzin and yes. his family. Yes, Tenzin is great. Tenzin and... Uh, his brother and sister and his wife and kids <laughs> and his kids his kids are awesome <laughs> see it's actually kind of funny because um i mentioned a couple of episodes ago that that netflix are doing the live action remake of avatar the last airbender which boggles the mind really there's no way it will be good no i can't even imagine like after watching the series i'm like this can't be anything else except animation, so, 2D animation. So I don't think I mentioned it in that episode, but they already kind of have a structure for what they want to do, which is they basically want to spend two seasons per uh, book. Yeah. So the second season would end with the assault on the water tribe at the end of book one. All right. So a lot of the I... things they're actually doing is making – is extending the show and adding new things to the show because it's going to be one hour episodes. So, Oh my God. And I'm just like, now to, now we're sitting here talking about Korra. I'm just thinking, why didn't you do that with Legend of Korra? Like I could totally see a live action version of Korra that sort of goes more into the character stuff because it's longer episodes. And, you know, maybe you, you, aim it at a little bit more of an older demographic because let's be fair some of the core stories does sort of lean that way mm -hmm. and you can you can play out the characters a little bit differently you know then maybe some of the characters would be more interesting i think the best route that they could have taken but they would never do this but what i would have been excited for is that they made just a third avatar like the next one after Korra. And yeah. make that live live action. Yeah. You know, like that. That because then we be... don't have we don't have the expectations anymore. Yeah. But we're still excited about it. You know. Yeah. That would also have been my like top priority is don't make anything you've already made. Just make something new. I think it would have been a Earth Earthbender, the next one. Yeah, because That's it was a, it was a yeah. Firebender before Aang. Then there was an Airbender. Then Korra was a Waterbender. So yeah, it would have been an Earthbender. That would have been interesting. That would have been cool. Also, yeah. just to see I mean, the world develop. You know, how does yeah. how does Republic City look now? Yeah. 
I I I I just love the world building and the like. They, those two guys know exactly what they're doing. It's yeah. crazy to me that they're so good at it, and then they drop the ball so hard with season two. <laughs> yeah, like actually, even even though Legend of Korra has its sort of dips, like the world building is still insane. Like yeah, yeah. I'm Those two episodes that we talked about that don't work with the rest of the season, they're still just two episodes of exceptional world building. Yeah, like, and all of the stuff that they go into with like, okay, in in Last Airbender we meet Top who creates metal bending. Okay, what does metal bending look like for the next generation? You know, and they have these like crazy metal bending cities that are like. Yeah, the police is comprised entirely of metal benders. Yeah, and it's you can see all of the influences from like Bossing Say in, in like Republic City. It's it's just it's so cool to see a show that has Eastern influences, out not uh, Western influences, because everything every show with Western influences looks boring as heck now. Yeah, because it's done to death. Not look, because it, it's they bad all look the same kind of. Yeah. Whereas this show, because it's it draws on Chinese and Japanese and Taiwanese yeah. mythology, according to the creators, um, it looks so different than everything mm. else you've ever seen. And like, uh, and also the the creators are really good at using it, you know, respectfully. Like it's not yeah. just like we talked we talked about uh, the M Night Shyamalan movie, where the Fire Nation is suddenly Indian for no reason. <laughs> Yeah, but they still, I think, use uh, the Chinese Japanese aesthetic to their well, sort they, of yeah. They use some of and... yeah. Uh, I don't know some of the. I think we see the Fire Lord's like castle, and that's very clearly Indian. Okay, inspired. I don't remember shit from that movie, so. <laughs> I I just remember they had a wide shot, and I think it's actually just an Indian like ruin or something that has been touched up. Um, okay. I don't know. But, like, it, it still boggles me because when you look at a lot of other, you know, American or Western shows that tries to do the Eastern aesthetic, it's very, like, it's very, like, surface level and kind of lazily put together. But then you look yeah. at these two guys and they do it effortlessly. Like, it looks effortless. Yeah, of course it and it comes across from their commentaries how passionate they are about mythology yeah. and so in general. Like, one of them practices martial arts mm-hmm. and uh you can see a lot of that incorporated in the show because the the whole thing like the coolest thing about the show is that you have these people some of them can manipulate a certain element like you have mm-hmm. firebenders waterbenders earthbenders and airbenders yeah. and they use forms of martial arts to sort of conjure those uh, elements yeah yeah it's like know? four different versions of martial arts which is awesome. Like, yes. it's such a cool concept. Like, as as disappointed I am that they're remaking the show, uh-huh. it's one of those things where, like, of course, because it's such a good idea. Yeah. You know? And they are bringing the guy back who made the martial arts. Uh, right. Like yeah, the, I don't like, remember his name, but they, no, they mention him in the commentary yeah. as well. Like, they're basically bringing the entire team back outside of the animators like the guy who did the music the two creators the guy who did the martial arts bringing back suku like come on the 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 music is so good 
Yeah, like there is there is a reason why Avatar: The Last Airbender is considered one of the best animated shows of all time because it just is. Like, yeah, it is. It, like, you like could, the the, the you episode could write books where, of why it's so good. Yeah, they actually talk about the <laughs> in the commentary track. They talk about uh, them at that point when they were recording the commentary tracks. I think all seasons were finished, uh-huh. and they were talking about the art books. Oh yeah, you know, that they were gonna publish, and I remembered. Oh shit, I saw them in Naya's uh, apartment. <laughs> yeah, Na- Naya right. has all of them. Yeah, I think great. they were working on the Korra one at that point. Korra uh, has multiple, actually. Oh whatever, yeah. It's uh, Avatar: The Last Airbender. Uh, the original series only has one, but Korra mm-hmm. has one for each season. It makes sense because they they sort of have different aesthetics for each season like the yeah. clothes change and the locations change yeah it, dude season one looks so good of Korra. Yeah. i mean like they use so much shit in it like they have like 2d characters casting the shadow uh, casting sort of these fog shadows where you can see their their sort of their their shadow through fog and shit mm-hmm. you know it's it's amazing I cannot recommend these two shows enough. Yeah, they it's, are they're great. I I think you know, I think Avatar was pretty much a like a runaway success, like everybody is yeah. aware of it sort of. Yeah. To an extent at but least. But I I think a lot of people sort of slept on uh, Legend of Korra. Yeah. Yeah, definitely give it a watch. It's so good just visually, like a yeah. lot of people and even though put a lot of work in like in even it. though we say that you know season 2 of legend and korra and maybe also like that it has some dips it's still great like yeah like just from a production value of looking at it and a world building and a and, and it has th- great characters yeah like like uh, Varric. <laughs> yes oh he's great uh, I love the, the there's a shot there's a lot of visual comedy in it which I like it that's what I'm so worried about with the live action show yeah well worried. it's not like I, I'm losing sleep over it but uh, as in you know you have that slapstick almost Tom and Jerry like mm. uh, you know visual comedy where characters would have like you know those classic anime faces where they would go like yeah. you know how the fuck do you do that with live action actors it would look insane you know if you do that you can't yeah and then like imagine boomy in live action i can't no me neither (laughs) it's like he's just uh, gonna take a boring old guy yeah but he's supposed to be this armando sante (laughs) yes yes (laughs) i will rally i will rally i will rally behind that idea take a take one of those uh stock bodybuilders and then put Armando DeSantis' head on it. Uh, now I need to remember that bodybuilder. The year, brother. Oh, Hulk Hogan? Yes. Uh, no, he's too old and he's out of shape. Boomy's supposed uh, to be old and out of shape, kind of. Well, when you see him in the animated show, he's pretty fucking buff. Yeah, like, get it, get get him like back in the gym. He's going to be buff in like five seconds. Come get on. him back in the gym. <laughs> I'm back on the roids, brother. <laughs> Hey, brother. <laughs> Could you imagine Aang just walking in and he goes like, you can just hear like a ripple of a sound coming through hallways like, hey, brother. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Okay. What you gonna do? 
Oh, that would be oh so my good. god. <laughs> I need to I need to rewatch those two. Like I've been thinking about rewatching Last Airbender for a while, and I I should rewatch them. It's very good. There, really there are episodes in that show that are mind blowingly good. What's your favorite episode? Just quickly. Uh, Tales of Ba Sing Se. Yeah, same here. It's, it's <laughs> yeah, it's the best episode. I'm sorry. It, a lot of people I know think it's the best episode, and I agree. Yeah. Uh, I'm a, I'm a big fan of a lot of them though. Like for like they're different for different reasons, mm-hmm. right? Like um, I really like the the I think it's actually the second to the, no, it's the second to the last four parter. You know, because the the ending is a four part. Is, yeah. It's four episodes and it's four parts. Is and that the, the one before? That's the attack on. That's like the eclipse, isn't it? Yeah, the fight between Aang and Fire Lord Ozai and all that. No, no, I was thinking the one, the one before. Isn't that the eclipse? No, the eclipse happens like halfway through season three. Okay. And then what... they get beaten and then sort of regroup after that. Okay, what's the what's the second to last four part? Uh, it's it's them going into a Fire Nation theater and seeing oh, a dramatization yeah. of their yes. adventures. The re- the recap episode. Yeah, I love that. Uh, I've, I, I, actually, I looked online. I was sure somebody did it, but then, uh, and then I, I found it. Somebody took clips from uh, the movie and then cut to their reactions from the theater episode. <laughs> it's yes. like I wouldn't talk like that. Ah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> like... yes. Uh, another episode I really also kind of like, just for the for the fun of it, is um, the beach. Which one is that? It's the one where uh, As- Asula? Ahsoka? No, Asula. Asula is uh, Zuko's yeah. sister, and, and I was, Ahsoka I was, is. Uh, I was just mixing it up with Ahsoka from Star Wars. Uh, she goes with her friends to basically the place where they later go to to watch the the play, and they have like teen comedy oh. ad- adventures on the beach, and you just realize that right. all these people are just kids, and Azula is just the biggest bitch. <laughs> she's, I, she's the bully in the yeah. high school <laughs> i kind of like yeah, that because yeah. it's such it's such a trope in in anime to have a beach episode and i just love the way they have fun with it yeah it's really good yeah i remember that uh i also like the a lot of the episodes when uh, zuko joins the avatar team oh and yeah they go they go on their own zuko adventure oh yeah like, the... I, I, the prison with the the boiling. Oh yes, 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 yes. That was amazing. I really like that one. I, like that's one of those things where it's a good good show with good episodes, and it also has an episode of one thing that I like in general, which is escape scenarios. Yeah. You know? uh, also, one of the early episodes that I liked was the one where um, they reveal uh, how Avatar, how uh, Ang got in, encased in ice. Oh yeah, the uh, the, the storm. storm. I think. Yeah. Yeah. And it cuts to it's intercut with Zuko's arc mm. and how he got burnt on his face by his father and stuff. Yeah, that's a really oh, good that was really well. good. And throughout, I think mostly the first season. I think it's actually done throughout the show more or yeah. less, where they, they the 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 Zuko story and the Ang story sort of get intersected in very yeah. good ways. You know, I, I really like that. I kept having like PTSD flashbacks to the movie when I would watch episode uh, yeah. season one because I think uh, that's what that's the season that got adapted, right? Yeah, they they adapted book one. Uh, yeah, very loosely. And 
and I keep like there's a a see uh, one of the episodes is about freeing a, a tribe of earthbenders that's under like they put them on a metal ship on the yeah, in they, the ocean so they can't they, earthbend. They put them basically on an oil rig or something like that. Yeah, and they can't. They have no earth to earthbend, mm. so they're prisoners, and um, it's very good in the show yeah and then in the i had like flashbacks to the movie and like ang just saying like the ground is who you are yeah because in in the movie they're just they're on they're on the ground <laughs> yeah they're just somewhere they're not on a on a like metal platform or anything though it's like that scene has my <sighs> favorite little scene in all of the movie which is where those five earthbenders like do their earthbending thing and then a slow rock just comes floating it's like that's that's not how earthbending works <laughs> oh my god it, it's so lame it's it's it's, it's amazing how lame that is <laughs> and then and then cut to like the show when uh asula takes over bossing say and you have like top versus two of her hench hench people in the like throne room and she like moves giant walls and everything is like that's how earthbending looks <laughs> or uh, boomy or boomy like, and his crystal yeah. bending yeah it's it's night and day yeah you know? <laughs> god that show was so oh. good <laughs> oh, that movie was so bad <laughs> oh, yeah. oh fuck yeah so, anyway, should we talk about uh, Tiger King? Yeah, why? Why not? <laughs> I did other stuff as well, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, I, I watched some other stuff, but it's not really things I want to talk about. Ah <laughs> oh, man, this fucking documentary. <laughs> so this thing has pretty much took the internet by storm, right? The Tiger yeah. King documentary on Netflix. Yeah, it's been number one on Danish Netflix basically all the time, and also American Netflix, as far as I know. Yeah, makes sense. Because they now show their top tens. Yeah. Um, so, do we need to say what the documentary is about? It's about people in uh, America who own uh, tigers as private pets or have these zoos, yeah. sort of, where they have yeah, we follow tigers and other exotic animals. Yeah, but it's it's mostly focused on the tigers until yeah. it sort of forgets, <laughs> forgets it a little bit. Well, it focuses on, on the people that... Yeah. practice this thing especially on the one uh, joe exotic yeah who owns a big tiger reservation kind of sort of a private zoo it's a zoo yeah yeah in florida i think right yeah no wait no because that florida bitch from florida probably not in florida i don't know i don't know Somewhere. whatever he owns and a zoo we follow like three or four different characters that each own these kinds of zoos. So there's Joe Exotic, there's Carol the Cat Lady, who oh who owns like a rescue center, or at least that's what she calls it. Big Cat. Big I Cat Rescue. Yeah. And we follow the white-haired goatee guy. I don't remember. Doc. Doc. Doc, Doc Antle. That was his name. Doc Antle. He's uh, not an actual doctor. <laughs> no. It, who owns like a cult, basically. <laughs> <laughs> he owns a zoo but also like has a bunch of ladies in his employee that he sleeps with and basically stuff. and then we we get briefly the uh the scarface dude uh who? the guy the guy who says oh. he was the precursor to scarface right 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 
which actually having looked at photos from him back in the day, I could totally see him be the inspiration for Scarface. Like, yeah, yeah. Who also owns, but his is more like a private zoo kind of a thing because nobody's allowed yeah. to get in and things like that. And we don't actually see much of his zoo. Outside. It's not made for profit. No. Like the other ones are running it as a business, but he's just wants exotic animals. Yeah. Because. And we don't really see much of how he runs it. That's that's more the other three. Uh, but yeah, fuck. <laughs> this this is just. It's one. It, it, I, I had this thought because uh-huh. uh, remember how in the early two thousands there was this boom of reality TV. Yeah. And I, the, everywhere you looked, there was reality TV everywhere. Yeah, this also reminded me of that. Yeah, and I always thought like people who looked at it were stupid, mm. you know, because I I couldn't get it because the problem is they had premises like oh they're all in a house and then uh, yeah, shit like happens like Big Brother stupid, and like, stuff. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but uh, this is sort of like the yeah. <laughs> repackaging of reality TV into sort of well well edited documentaries <laughs> yeah like it's we're not calling it reality tv anymore it's a documentary now yeah but <laughs> it is it is very reality tv in a way because it is a lot of the appeal of it is seeing how wacky these characters are right yeah. characters i say characters but whatever people yeah because like you, you, it's it, it has the same appeal as reality TV. Where like you can't look away from how much of a train wreck these people are. Yeah, and like there is also the element of they, they approve to be in this series. So when you yeah, because see... I think Carol's husband, that the guy, oh my god, that guy, I think he's supposed to be a lawyer or something. He complained yeah. uh, online after the series was out because I was like. Mm. Oh, if you spent one day with Carol, you wouldn't think she murdered her husband. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah, but you wanted to be in the documentary. Yeah, you know. So, so when you hear like all of those stuff with with Joe Exotic about, he's basically just digging his own grave in a way on on TV, in the same way he would in a in a like reality show. And there was even a reality show being made, and the the yeah. documentary sort of talks about it. <laughs> I love, I love also because they interviewed the guy who was making the reality TV show. Yeah, quite a lot. Who looks like the poacher from uh, Jurassic Park Two? <laughs> oh yeah, kind of. Yeah, no, right. Saying. Yeah. <laughs> Throughout the whole show, I was like, man, he looks like somebody who. Oh yeah, okay, he looks like that. Yeah, actually, now that you say it. Especially with the Indiana Jones hat. Yeah. Uh yeah, he he's like such an asshole because. Uh, at some point, he says, like, oh, Joe allowed me to make this reality TV show if I would produce his uh, internet show on yeah. YouTube. And I, and he was like, I was like I'll, yeah, I said, yeah, whatever. I don't give a fuck about your <laughs> show on YouTube. Yeah, like, <laughs> he even says, like, when his, when his studio burns down and all the reality show footage sort of disappears or, like, gets destroyed, he even goes, that's my retirement plan in there. <laughs> 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 oh my god well, there's so many moments where you're like this is funny but the underlining issue still stands yeah you know because okay, the the one thing that i was hoping they would touch on and they kind of never do is that why is nobody making efforts to return these 
cats, uh. well, these tigers, to Africa. Yeah. Their, you know, their natural habitat. Remember yeah. that? Remember that? <laughs> well, the thing I actually thought about here this morning before we started recording was, so Carol has her, her big cat rescue. Yeah. And it gets mentioned multiple times that it's a non-profit. Yeah. But she... I think she sells entrance to the park. And, Tickets, yeah. Yeah, and all of her workers, to a point at least, are, you know, volunteers. Yeah, they work for free. Yeah. So what does the money go to? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I think because the, sh- the show is kind of uh, very singular in how it portrays a lot of people. Um, of course, yeah. Like, it doesn't really touch that much on how carol runs her park compared to joe it's it, of course it wants to yeah. talk more about how she might have killed her husband because that <laughs> makes her seem like a villain kind of a thing so yeah. i'm thinking either they just don't know what the money goes to like that that could be a thing or showcasing where she actually spends her money would make her seem too good of a person for the narrative they're trying to do i don't know yeah maybe yeah, I I definitely got the feeling that they were manipulating us a bit into hating Carol. Yeah, a bit I'm, more. I mean, she's kind of unlikable in a way. Well, sh- if if she is not making efforts to send these fucking tigers to Africa, then mm-hmm. she can go fuck herself. Yeah, you know, because then you're just having another zoo. Yeah, like what are you, what are you doing exactly? Mm. You know, <laughs> like uh, Joe Exotic <laughs> in his crusade to destroy Carol. <laughs> he went to her zoo and f- filmed it and mm-hmm. like you see a tiger sticking his head through a tiny cage to eat mm-hmm. and, like that's even worse than Joe's zoo yeah but like, what, what are we doing here we just yeah. you know but to like, be fair Joe, does, Joe doesn't treat his his tigers with any form of like respect well I think he's like uh, he's an experienced the uh, zoo manager. I don't know. Like, I still I still got up a lot of the when we get to the the final episode and they talk. You know when he gets sent to prison, and he they try to put it up like he got set up. I was just like, yeah, but he's still kind of terrible. You know, you know he's still like killed some of his lions or some of his tigers yeah after they weren't an attraction anymore yeah and you know he feeds his 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 animals basically leftover food from like walmart or whatever well he also fed his guests that same food because they opened a pizzeria and they used the meat from walmart to make the meat yeah like Ah, oh, Jesus Christ. Like, to be fair, none of these people are likable. Like, No. They're all horrible people. Yeah. I mean, the goddamn... What, what's his name? Doc Antle, who oh. operated a cult and... Oh, my God. His I, smile he's... reminded me so much of, like, Jack Nicholson from the first Batman movie. Like, that makeup <laughs> smile that Jack Nicholson has. He has it naturally. It was fucking creepy. <laughs> or the... The guy that, uh, what's his name? Jeff? Oh, Jeff! Or is his name Jeff? The the investor that comes in later oh, to yeah. sort of save the park? Oh, yeah, fuck that guy. 
<laughs> that guy's the worst. <laughs> yeah. So, so apparently, Stephen, I read this morning that that guy had apparently posted somewhere that they're coming back to film. And he said it in a way that was like, you're getting new episodes this week. And I was like, this week? That may be a little bit soon, but I assume we're going to get more episodes of this thing. Yeah, but I imagine it's going to be a while. Yeah, yeah, like a, I'm assuming. Like uh, the guy said that he started filming in like 2014. Jeff Loeb. That's the guy. Huh? Jeff Loeb. Yeah. That guy can go fuck himself. <laughs> yeah. So he said he has stated, I've, I found the, the article here, uh, that Netflix is planning to release new episodes of the show starting next week. Uh, he sent a video message uh, where he basically said that Netflix is adding uh, one more episode. It will be on next week. They're filming here tomorrow, wherever, whenever he sent this out okay. and then and then a little like take care stay safe and put on your mask kind of a thing for the end so and right. netflix has uh, not commented <laughs> so i don't know uh, who cares who cares um i mean we'll the, watch it he, he he's so despicable holy yeah, shit like fuck. like it works to sympathize with joe because of how despicable this guy he is, is yeah what's his name again uh, jeff, jeff Loeb. yeah or love i don't i don't know how you pronounce it is it like l o w e or something like oh that? low yeah it's yeah. low uh <laughs> there the scene i think it's in the last episode where he his uh, girlfriend or wife yeah, his wife is pregnant and oh. uh, <laughs> yeah when he talks about the babysitter and it's like oh my oh. god it's like, oh, we gotta pick up a babysitter, but it has to be a babysitter that I like as well. And yeah, and then he shows all these supermodel. Yeah, he shows pictures of hot women, and it's just like, oh god. <laughs> but like, I, at the end of the day, this is something that is just bewildering to me. Like, yeah, they talk about it briefly because Joe Exotic says like, oh, I always always been uh, sort of attracted to big cats. Mm. to tigers and whatever buy a cat yeah. motherfucker like what is this nonsense like taking these fucking killing machines right like the yeah. tigers forget the fact that you're torturing them by not like putting them in cages that are way too small yeah. for them but ignore that for a second and think about like this these pe these animals are very dangerous, huh? and you're playing with them like they're like little kittens. But they can maul you. Yeah. I don't understand why you would intentionally put yourself in so much danger. Yeah, that's. It's it's bewildering to me. It makes more sense to jump out of a plane without a parachute to me than to do this. Yeah. Because <laughs> maybe you would land in water. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Although you would break all your limbs. Anyway, uh, like, it's so crazy. And, yeah, like, you know, now that we, we are in this sort of scenario where America is sort of the one that's dealing with the COVID crisis, the worst out of probably yeah, all the countries on yeah. the planet. 
um, like I, like I just kept thinking throughout the 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 shows like man Americans can go fuck themselves. <laughs> yeah, there is a, it, there is kind of a an air of this show of like people who. I don't know if it's because there isn't any laws. They talk a little bit about how they're trying to implement laws that are that would like ban people from having these cats. But I don't know if it's because there isn't any laws prohibiting it or if it's just because they're allowed to because the law isn't being enforced. But it is it feels very much like a group of people that society sort of let be, you know. Yeah, well, D- that guy Doc Antle show they show footage of him like being on Letterman and shit. Oh yeah, that's right. And <laughs> so they're kind of part of the mainstream. And like, uh, Mister, I'm gonna save the world. Uh, John John Oliver showed him on showed Joe Exotic on his show. Yeah, you know, like. It's funny that this crazy person thinks he's going to be the president and his and monologue run. is is amazing. And then runs for governor. Yeah, and loses that. But yeah. the underlining problem is, the, you know, he shouldn't be able to do what he's doing. Yeah. Like, it most there are other countries, I'm sure, where people practice in this for some reason, where they own exotic animals. Yeah. that are by the way endangered but it's illegal mm-hmm. you know so at least there's that element to it where they don't just are able to do it what like fucking joe breeds them yeah so and, he, and like he has 200 tigers 200 mm-hmm. tigers dude mm-hmm. wasn't the they show that at the end of statistic and they said that in in africa there were a hundred or so no, what was it? It was like there was 5,000 tigers in captivity in the U.S. in the wild. There was only like half of that or something like that. Yeah. It was like the amount of tigers that were in the U.S. in captivity was like double the amount that was in the wild. Yep, in Africa. We, yeah. Well, tigers are actually not indicative to Africa. Wait, what? Really? No, lions are. Oh, they're Indian. Oh, shit. Yeah, I'm thinking about it. Ah, never mind. Are they in India? Tigers? Yeah, there are there are tigers in India. Okay, sorry, my bad. <laughs> it's okay. It's a. Or they they breed the uh, ligers. Oh my like god, ligers! Ligers, like, ah, uh, it's it's all just so stupid. And I'm like, you, okay, you're doing this for money, but one are that are that many people still going to zoos? I don't know. I mean, not now, but, you know. I haven't been to a zoo, I think, in forever. Yeah, same here. I haven't actually been to a zoo in, like, what? Close to 10 years, maybe? I think I remember when I went to Germany the first time, years and years ago. Mm. Uh, my aunt lives in Berlin, and uh, they said, like, oh, let's go to Zoll. I think it's called Zollischen Garden. Mm. It's uh, they have a zoo right in the middle of Berlin, uh-huh. um, but we didn't go to it because the line was so long. <laughs> yeah, I don't but you know. you can you can see from outside like they have crocodiles and shit. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what's the point? What's the point of this? Yeah, I don't know. It's so cruel. Yeah, you know? 
Like, like these also, people are so cruel. Also, every time they showed like uh, them bringing out like cups and showing them to the audience and things like that, I was just like, Ugh. I was I was just icky, basically. Yeah, the concept of people sort of using tiger cups as a cubs, sorry, as yeah. a sort of this uh, token for extra likes on social media or whatever, mm. like take take a photo with a tiger cup or whatever. Yeah. Actually, there is a photo of me when I was like five or four or five. I was at the beach with my parents in Romania. And uh, the beach is relatively close to the southern border. You know, oh. like our our uh, our shore. Is, like we share the, like the western shore of the Black Sea with Bulgaria and I think parts of Turkey or something. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, so there's a lot of people going in and out from other countries, essentially mm-hmm. there, uh, on the beach. And uh, there was a guy with a, a monkey and a, 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 a lion cub. And I have a picture with me holding the lion cub. And I, I thought of that while I was watching. I was like, oh, my God. I have a, I have a photo somewhere. Uh, we went to, I think it was when we were in Turkey once. This is also like 10 years, more than 10 years ago where we went to a a like water park where you could have your photo taken with dolphins and there is a photo of me with a dolphin uh it's kind of disgusting isn't it yeah like looking back at that is like would i have done that today no uh there's also this amazing story that i have that i thought of talking about like um in my hometown there's a huge park that's kind of like a forest. Yeah. And within it, there's an enclosed little zoo. Well, there was. And uh, they had a little lion in there oh. that um, had a deformity where it had dwarfism. Oh, okay. It was a lion with dwarfism. So it was tiny for most of its, like all of its life, you know. But it had like a mane and stuff like a regular lion, but it was just really tiny, you know. Compared yeah. to actual lions, and uh, it, it it was called Simba, right? Because the because Simba um, the lion, yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, I remember going with my grandpa to like feed him and you know look at it and shit like that. I think they also had like some deers or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then like a decade or so later, I remember seeing on like randomly on TV on National Geographic mm-hmm. that. They were talking about how this lion, Simba, and then it was like, oh, it's just called Simba. And then they mentioned my hometown from, like, they we took him from a zoo in uh, Baku, and now we're releasing him in the wild. And it was him. It was like a lion with dwarfism. Like, holy shit. I don't know if it, like, I'm sure it wasn't a broadcast. It was probably an older broadcast because, like, lions don't, I don't know how long lions live, but 10 years is bit of a stretch you know i don't actually know how old lions get cats can be really old though like house cats can be like 20 yeah but you know like the zoo closed down in like three years you know or so yeah okay fair enough but so it was probably an older broadcast that got rebroadcasted or whatever but it was amazing like just out of nowhere to see that you know like randomly on national geographic it was crazy um 
and uh, I think now the because they still have the, the the space that they had there is still enclosed, like they still have the the walls, but it's used as a place where people can take their dogs to poop in the park. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Fair. <laughs> that's kind of funny. Like that's a designated place where you can uh, let your dog poop. Okay. That wouldn't happen. Well, in I Denmark. mean, why not? Because we have a specific thing, like if you your dog poops, you need to put it in a bag and throw it out, kind of a thing. Yeah, no, yeah, no, no but you, you you have to do that as well. But it's it's not an obligatory pooping spot. It's just like if you put if you let your dog shit there, you don't have to pick it out, you because mm. it's like it's just ground. Like there's no, like the whole thing with picking out poop is because you know people walk there and shit yeah. and you know. Like that's just an enclosed place, place where you can let dogs free and go wild, you know. I think that that actually that story you had made me think about is like the only zoo story I could remember from Denmark, and that was that freaking giraffe. What uh, giraffe? You don't know that story? Oh my god! Uh, so Copenhagen, I think it was Copenhagen Zoo, had an old giraffe that was he wasn't fit for breeding. I think he had some kind of congenital thing or something he wasn't fit for breeding at least and he was getting okay. old and you know they couldn't get rid of him they couldn't send him to a wildlife sanctuary they couldn't send him to other parks because they didn't want him uh so na, 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 they na, basically na, na. put him down and fed him to the lions oh my god oh and, and that became like an international news story because Everyone was so... Because what they did before they fed him to the lions was they had a live, like, autopsy of it to, like, show people, like, here's how a giraffe looks, here's how its heart looked, and things like that. And there were kids at that thing. Like, they put up signs everywhere that says, if you don't want to see a dead giraffe, don't come near here, you know. But But that's just, you know, incentive for kids. Yeah, but there were, like, people who brought their kids to see it and show, like, hey, this is how a giraffe looks and things like that. And it became, like, an international story because it, people, especially in the U.S., were, like, horrified at the fact you would show kids how to, like, cut up a giraffe. <laughs> and then a lot of uh, other parks suddenly came out and was like, no, we would have taken him. And the, uh, <laughs> the leader of the Copenhagen Zoo, basically, he, he was actually very like calm about the entire thing but it came out later that it was like he had tried to contact a lot of these parks that later said they wanted him uh and they, oh, and ba- they just lied about it yeah okay. basically oh my god but it wasn't like he was he was interviewed by like a lot of american news shows uh and it wasn't like he suddenly started shitting on all these parks or anything he was he was very calm about the entire thing yeah but it's oh it's so this is crazy yeah well i'm thinking like at this point zoos are getting into like their post-apocalyptic phase where yeah you know not a lot of people are going to zoos so they're kind of in a decrepit state you know i mean i don't know about the numbers of how many people are going to zoos but i I could definitely see a lot of it's the same with circuses really because uh circuses are kind of in that state where people are waking up to the idea of them having having live animals uh, yeah. in Denmark it's actually become illegal for them to have uh, elephants so the Danish state has actually bought like I think it was four elephants 
of uh, a big circus chain in Denmark because they no longer are allowed to have them as as um, like performers. So the Danish state mm-hmm. actually owns like four elephants, which is kind of funny. Okay, well, what are, what are they doing with them? Did they that, return that, them back to Africa? Well, that w- that is the idea, but so far they haven't been able to do that. So there was actually something well, with... So right now they are on... Difficult. <laughs> yeah, they are on a a plot of land that is... So the, the circus uh, chain has their own designated plot of land where they are most of the year when they're not on tour. Uh, and they are basically there, the elephants. Okay. And there has been question of like, what do we now do with these elephants? Because, you know, the the process of getting them to like a wildlife sanctuary is taking very long. And, you know, we don't know what to do with them in the meantime, you know. Yeah, it, it's such a complicated thing because also they're not they they they're not as adapted to living yeah. in the wild now, you know. Yeah, but there are a lot of wildlife sanctuaries that sort of specialize in that. Like, yeah making sure that the elephants are you know doing well or things like that i'm, I'm just waiting yeah. for the stories and one of the elephants get fed to the lions you know? oh my god daniel <laughs> i'm waiting for the story of one of the uh one of the the people working f- uh, at the danish zoo to be fed to the elephants <laughs> <laughs> oh god um actually there's a thing where so one of the sort of national animals in Romania is the bison, the European bison. Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, it's actually part of uh, Romanian folklore, like of my region in particular, because mm. it's said that the founder of our region um, came here because he was hunting bison. Mm. You know, so, and it's on the emblem of my uh, region. You know, yeah, it's a it's a bison. But the problem is, over over the years, it has been hunted to extinction. Like it's the original breed that was in here centuries ago no longer exists. Okay. But they they slowly been uh, taking bison from I think the Czech Republic or Poland, mm-hmm. and bringing them and breeding them here. And now, like I I actually been to it last summer, and it's uh it's such a better concept than a regular zoo. Uh-huh. where it's it's a uh, at the there's a h- huge i think it spans hundreds of kilometers uh basically na- natural reserve uh reservation yeah. you know and uh on the edge of it on one edge of it there's a, f- a feeding pot designed for the bisons uh-huh. and uh you can go at the edge of it and look at the bisons while they feed and sort of just hang around there and whatever uh-huh. you know and uh, they're, cool. they even d- designed like a walkway to go over the re- yeah. a, a portion of the reservation. And that's pretty cool. Nice. I think that's much better. Yeah. Bisons are awesome, dude. Holy shit. Yeah, like bisons are awesome. Uh, and uh, I think I also saw like a <laughs> they had like a species of a wild. Uh, wild roosters oh, I wanted to say wild cocks but <laughs> and the dude have you ever seen a wild rooster I don't think so no uh, in Romanian it's called a, a mountain rooster because they yeah. live in the wild in the mountain region 
and uh, they're they're very they're way bigger than regular roosters. Holy shit! Okay. They look like a they look like a prototype dinosaur. <laughs> I mean, they are kind of descendant. So the topic of today, ladies and gentlemen, is creative endeavors, or how the fuck does anyone do anything creative, knowing it will no it will not mean shit to anyone. An essay on essays in podcast form by Daniel Specht. <laughs> Working title. <laughs> okay, you are you are engaged in a creative endeavor. You know, in this case, it's music. Yeah. But, and you want to perform for people with this creative endeavor, whatever that means. But what if you fail? Like, what do you? How do you treat failure in that regard? And I sort of got to thinking about this this topic over a couple of days. Because, you know, we are both creative individuals uh, in, e in each of our respective fields. You are more in sort of video and, and script writing, and I'm just regular writing. Uh, and, like, it just got me thinking about how, how you think about this, Stephen, this idea of going into a project. Because it takes a while to do a project, you know. Uh, yeah. It takes a really long time. Yeah. And... How do you how do you deal with that idea of well it might just be crap kind of or whatever? Uh, well, my opinion of it is that you <laughs> how to explain this um, uh, when you go into something that you care about and then you might discover this might not be all that. You gotta, like, what I do is try as hard as I can to make it seem like it's all, like it's more than it is. Okay. Like, uh, it, it's sort of like a, a game of uh, illusions where there, uh, over time I kind of realized that, um, you know, kind of all stories are worth telling and at the same time no stories are worth telling. As in... It's kind of like uh, when you when you tell a joke, and uh, you're really into it and you deliver it well, and then nobody reacts to it. It's kind of like ah, a yeah. fantasy meets reality. You know, mm -hmm. you have a a picture in your mind of how the joke play, joke plays out, mm -hmm. but the the reaction of the audience, well, audience in general, the people that you expose it to, you know, that plays into it. Yeah, and uh, that kind of feeds me in a way where I'm thinking, okay, this might get to a point where it's, it doesn't even look finished, mm. but as long as I can expose it to somebody, like to me, that's a big thing with me because one, I have a, an unhealth, unhealthily large ego <laughs> and, mean... uh, <laughs> I don't need your opinion on that. Um, no, and, I was basically uh, going to mention who was it that created this podcast. <laughs> God. <laughs> uh, damn no, right. Anyway. Uh, damn straight. Damn straight. Christian God, not another God. <laughs> Go on. Broke as shit. Um, um, essentially, like, I, I take a lot of uh, an energy out of anybody watching or experiencing what I do. Mm -hmm. So when I'm 
entering into the process of doing something and I get to the point where I think everybody gets to where you I'm downing myself or I mm. feel like I lo I'm losing the thread of what I'm doing or I, I got to the point where I invested so much time into it yeah and um you you get to the point of no return you know mm. I think well I need to do it because somebody needs to see it kind of okay. thing so you you know like I take a lot of maybe pride is the right wrong word but I, I i take you know energy out of the fact that oh somebody will see it you know i mean you do take pride in your work i would say you know yeah but yeah as in I, I it's kind of strange because i know that you do things sort of for yourself yeah you know Whereas I do things because <laughs> I want other people to approve of it or at yeah. least hear their opinions on it. So you know? just just to explain my side of this, uh, I don't really publish my work in any way. Uh, I, have a, I have a lot of friends who are like, Daniel, you should make a blog or something like that. So a place I can publish my stuff. And every time people say that to me, I just go, but who cares? Like, like, there are 10 million blogs being made every day or whatever, like some crazy amount of blogs of people who are like, I'm going to show my creative endeavors. And I'm just here like, I would just be another one of those. And who the fuck cares about skinny white boy from Denmark doing, you know, stories about sad robots on Pluto? Like, so, yeah, but... Uh... Like I, when I started writing, which is a, is ten years ago now, I had this idea of at one point I would like to get published, not for any like fame idea. It wasn't like I'm gonna beat J.K. Rowling as most sold author or something like that shit. It was more like getting the recognition that I I got good enough to be published. But yeah, as the years went on, I was just like, you know, I just do this because I like doing it. It's my hobby, you know. I don't I don't need the recognition of others. I just need to do this because it's a thing I like doing and it it makes me happy to do it, you know. So it is more of a selfish endeavor in a way. Mhm. Mm well, in both our cases it is selfishness. It's kind of just selfishness yeah. directed different ways kind of thing. Yeah, like but still referring back to your title daniel you're yes. you're so how the fuck does anyone do anything creative knowing it will not mean shit to anyone well that that was more the idea of looking at it as somebody who actually publishes their work that's why i wanted to talk to you about it because you do and i have i have sometimes hit you know writing blocks and things like that and been like why does it matter like who cares? And had needed to get a new spark going before I could go back and work on something. So, for instance, the last book I finished, which was the erotic fiction, which we have talked about uh, in our very first episode. Uh, yes. Well, the the very first archival episodes, not the official first episode. Um, hey. Hey. Uh, and... That was a one where I originally wrote it as just a, a fun little like experiment. And I got a certain way into it. And then I was just like, 
yeah, that was fun. Leave it. And then I got an, got an idea for it that sort of reignited my my sort of will to finish that project, and I ended up finishing it. And then I've been looking at starting new projects, and I've started a couple, but I've always sat around going like, what makes this project special? Like, what, like, is there a reason to do this outside of just writing another book, you know? And it's a, it's a thing I've been struggling with here in these last few, like, basically all through this year of having mm. a lot of, like, unfinished projects or, like, projects where I've basically written everything from, like, a couple of pages to a couple of chapters and looking at them going like i could work on this thing but do i really want to like hmm. like is so it you worth lost some of your uh, energy yeah but it's also just because i've written so much like back in back in the early days of me writing i just wrote like every day it became mm -hmm. uh like whenever i came home from the time i came home to the time that there was dinner i would just sit and write and it was more of a I had a I had a very simple idea I wanted to write and then I just kept writing on it. Was it any good? No. Uh, but nowadays I think more about the work before I start writing, because it does take a while to write a project, and if you want a project to be good, you should you know work on it beforehand. So there's longer time between me starting a project, but I work on it longer in a way instead of just do it, you know? Um, I think, um, like, the way I think about it is that um, I have to continue to do shit mm. because that's the only way I can actually improve. Yeah. You know? And I, I think that's the same with your process where, mm. you know, if I keep doing it, then, I, you know, uh, a lot of, you know, creative endeavors... Um, it's kind of like you only need one good idea, yeah. <laughs> essentially, you essentially. know, and then that can crystallize. Like, look at the we talked forever about the Avatar and Last Airbender shows and all that stuff. Huh? Like, that was one good idea that they yeah. had, and they spun it into something extraordinary. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think that um, a lot of that is applicable to what we're doing, as in. Yeah. Uh, you know, a lot of our ideas might be terrible or might be something that um, doesn't really draw even our own interest. Yeah. But it's kind of it's kind of like figuring out the puzzle within your own mind. Mm. You know, like, uh, for example, I'm the kind of person who has like 500 ideas a day. Like yeah. that's I feel like that's all my brain does now, <laughs> yeah, <it's, laughs> which is very infuriating. Here. Yeah. Same here. <laughs> It's, it's kind because of annoying because I will I will work on a project and then I'll watch a movie and going, oh, that's a, like a cool idea will form in my head. And it's like, oh, that's way cooler than what I'm working on now. And it's like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> like you can't sit still. It's kind of annoying. Yeah, it's a it's a like I always had an extremely vi extreme visual imagination mm. where like I would daydream for hours probably when i would when i would be just at home or whatever yeah um and that's just like and i realized you know i need to do something with it otherwise yeah. 
I would literally be wasting my whole life. Yeah. <laughs> because I don't give a shit about anything else. Yeah. And that's like kind of what brings me back to doing it. Yeah. You know, it's like, what else can I do? You know, mm. like, as in I can do and I do other stuff, but I do it because I need money, you know, mm. as in, or I need to do it because I need to feel productive because yeah. there is this sort of stigma that form, forms within your head of if you engage in your own creative endeavors, you're not being quote unquote productive per se, because a lot of it is conceptual, you know, yeah. like you said, there's a long way from writing two paragraphs, to writing something that feels fully realized. Yeah. It know? also, it also is the fact that I write, you know, four books and they take a long time to write, you know, exactly. Yeah. Like it, it is multiple months of work on a project and, but it's also the thing like, like I spent more time on a project now before I start writing, you know, planning it out, planning out the characters and it like, it helps make it better. Like I would definitely say that the books I've been writing these last couple of years are definitely better than anything I could have imagined in the beginning of like 10 years ago. But, uh, I, I think like just as a piece of advice, I think you should definitely put effort in my opinion towards exposing your work because yeah. i i think it, it also would give you extra energy to actually write you know like uh for example and this actually takes effort it's not just starting a blog it's uh -huh. figuring out the machinations of how sort of to get on uh, specific websites that sort of deal in these things and so on and so forth you know yeah like, for example, I worked on uh, how to get this podcast on this uh, on the right platforms and on the uh, right websites where new podcasts are advertised. And by the way, we have over 100 listens. Really? Yeah. Cool. I was, I was actually well, going to ask you how many we actually had of listeners. Over 100 in total. Cool. Hello, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's it, it's just a, a thing where um, uh, you need to uh, you, if you get on, for example, on uh, iTunes. Yeah. You already expose yourself to a wide market. You know, mm. it's difficult to get on iTunes, but we did. So there we you did. go. We did it, or you did it, actually. I did it. Fuck yeah. you. You're not getting any credit. <laughs> or was it we said about massive ego here? <laughs> right here baby right uh, here. i'm broke as shit uh and uh um but uh yeah like i and i take like to me a lot of it is i take a lot of satisfaction in working on the advertisement of my work uh -huh. because i think there isn't like to me it's almost like an, an a, a separate art yeah like as soon as like one of the things when i'm like rendering out whatever i'm doing or whatever is yeah. the excitement of working on the thumbnail on yeah. working on the on the cover art and so on and so forth you know see the the thing is i had a similar experience with that with pluto uh, which was made as a thing that should that was going to be published on a blog that me and a couple of friends were doing uh, that blog unfortunately doesn't exist anymore in its in that form so uh, but that was really like I was working on it to get a chapter out a week 
and that meant you know I had to go back and edit it quite heavily. I I made you know a a cover for it as well. So there was a lot of work outside of of the actual story in order to get it you know there. And I have actually thought about in some way of publishing it, but I don't like the idea of just making a blog and then publishing the text of it just isn't interesting to me. So I had the idea of maybe doing recordings and then like an audiobook. Yeah. And that's also why I I sent you some music I had worked on, which was terrible, but it was fun. No, it uh, wasn't. Actually, I have a small revelation for you, Daniel. What? So, uh, a, a small disclaimer: uh, we have recorded L, uh, an idea for a concept where I where we would read uh, mm. paragraphs of each other's work out loud, yeah. like sort of a audiobook type deal. Yeah. Uh, but I took them out because we thought it would bog down the structure of the show. Actually, Daniel, I have been working in secret on re-recording uh, your your excerpts from your book, and I have been using your sound effects. Well, but it it is tenuous work and it takes forever. Yeah, yeah. So the thing I was actually thinking about doing is one, get a better microphone because this one is it's fine, but it's not for what I want to do. And I was I was actually thinking of making like basically an audio play of of Pluto, the thing that we did a recording for. And for that, I have been uh, like fiddling around with a program called LMMS, which is an open source version of FL Studio. Oh, you, of uh, know, Fruit Loops. Yeah, but it's it's renamed to FL Studio. Is it okay? I didn't yeah. know that. Back in the day, it was called Fruity Loops. Uh, and yeah, it's just fun to sit and do these little, so it's, it's digital music. So you do a lot of sampling and you, you know, you cut things up and you, you add filters to it to make it sound weird. And, you know, yep. it's, it's really fun to just sit and work with. And it's, it's a lot more f like it's faster creative. Like for instance, the piece of music I send you, which is not very long, it's like two minutes was it took me like a good afternoon to make that, and I was I was quite happy about it at the end. And that I sounds even, pretty good. I even worked on a on a second piece, and I was just like, I could make you know background music to to Pluto, and just be like, hey, like make little light motifs about the different subjects, and edit them into the story, and have fun with that. You know. There you go. So that's a thought I have, at least, of getting my stuff out there. And I've even, like, I have a mock-up of how the, how, I was thinking of first putting it out on YouTube just for, just because I have a YouTube channel and I can do that. And I even have a mock-up of how the screen should look and things like that. So I have hmm. been working a bit on something, and it is kind of fun to do these kind of, I don't know, for some reason we I call them, me, for some reason I call them should. mini projects, even though they're quite involved. For me, there is just that hurdle of, of getting over my own hit saying, but who the fuck cares? Like, but apparently uh, hundreds, over a hundred people care enough to listen to this podcast. Thousands. Uh, maybe, <laughs> maybe thousands one day, who knows? That's our goal. Um, but yeah. We're coming for uh... you, Night Vale. <laughs> isn't Night Vale, isn't Night vale like the most popular or one of them? Uh, I think it was, but. Probably. I don't know. I don't know. 
the Joe Rogan experience. <laughs> We're coming for We're you. We're coming for you, Joe Rogan. Don't hit, don't don't hurt us. Don't hurt us, please. You should take some ayahuasca, Daniel, so you can be more creative. <laughs> it's no. just like the landlord is gonna is gonna come in in two weeks because they keep hearing noises from your apartment. They're gonna <laughs> find you in full feral mode. <laughs> 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 I still can't flip my desk. <laughs> oh, that would be so much. Uh, Are you the chimp king? <laughs> I know that fucking chimp is stealing my hair. Pupils so wide, my eyes are black. Like a full on like, <laughs> like a shark. <laughs> basically. Uh, but yeah, Stephen, that's... What, what floor do you live on? <laughs> uh, I live on first floor. Ah, then you're good. You can escape. <laughs> I don't know. Not I mean, if I'm I live on the first floor. I can easily jump outside. <laughs> yeah, but I don't. I don't know if it's a good idea if I'm high on ayahuasca. <laughs> <laughs> That's an even better idea. You won't feel the pain. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Stephen. Thanks for your productive input. I guess. Ah, uh, the fucking monkey's been hitting me in the leg. It broke my leg. <laughs> So, no, Stephen, should we, should we move on to the movies? Nah. <laughs> ah, come on. Okay, yes. Let's move on. So, this is yeah. the end of part one, ladies and gentlemen. We'll see you in part two where we talk about the two movies of today.